The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. On that day, Jesus went out of the house and sat down by the sea. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood along the shore. And he spoke to them at length in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground where it had little soil. It sprang up at once because the soil was not deep, and when the sun rose, it was scorched, and it withered for lack of roots. Some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it. But some seed fell on rich soil and produced fruit, a hundred or sixty or thirtyfold. Whoever has ears ought to hear. The disciples approached him and said, Why do you speak to them in parables? He said to them in reply, because knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven has been granted to you, but to them it has not been granted. To anyone who has, more will be given and he will grow rich. From anyone who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because... They look, but do not see, and hear, but do not listen or understand. Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled in them, which says, You shall indeed hear, but not understand. You shall indeed look, but never see. Gross is the heart of this people. They will hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and be converted, and I heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. Amen, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and longed to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. The seed sown on the path is the one who hears the word of the kingdom without understanding it. And the evil one comes and steals away what was sown in his heart. The seed sown on rocky ground is the one who hears the word and receives it at once with joy. But he has no root and lasts only for a time. When some tribulation or persecution comes because of the word, he immediately falls away. 
The seed sown among thorns is the one who hears the word, but then worldly anxiety and the lure of riches choke the word and it bears no fruit. But the seed sown on rich soil is the one who hears the word and understand it, who indeed bears fruit and yields a hundred or sixty or thirtyfold. The Gospel of the Lord. There is a double layer of meanings running through our scripture readings today, and it is important to attend to both of those levels for a fuller understanding of what it is that the church has placed before us in choosing these particular readings of scripture for this particular Sunday. On the one hand, there's the fairly straightforward comparison to the word that goes forth from the mouth of God as a seed that is sown in the world. And yet alongside of that, there is a, a second kind of sowing that the Lord is speaking about in our gospel reading. One that at first glance is less obvious and yet equally as important as that more obvious meaning. And that is the sowing of people, the sowing of hearts in the world. Note as the Lord preaches this parable, the context. He comes out of his house, he is by the seashore, and a great many people come, so many, that he has to get on a boat and create a little bit of distance so that he can speak to all of them. It's a remarkable moment, and one would assume that all of these people are there because they've come to listen. And yet we hear, ironically, that the Lord speaks to them in parables precisely because they don't listen. What are we to make of this? On the one hand, everybody shows up. On the one hand, everybody is there to hear Jesus speak. And yet, on the other hand, there is this speaking which is not exactly received. And the Lord notes that. He speaks to them in parables, and the disciples ask why. And he says, because they hear, but do not listen. They hear, but do not understand. The issue is not whether their ears are working. Their ears work just fine. And yet there is something that allows the word to hit the eardrum and bounce off without going anywhere. What a curious, curious incident this is. The great many who are there to hear and yet for all of the hearing, precious little listening is actually happening. And if one looks across the history of the people of God as recounted in sacred scripture, we see that this is a common dynamic. It is not that God never speaks. 
It is not that God is never clear, and yet however often the Lord speaks and however clear the speaking may be, there is something about his people that simply does not receive what he says to them. What are we to make of this? This notion that there's something more here than you're receiving. And at this point, the Lord continues his explanation by saying to his disciples, you've been given to understand the mysteries of the kingdom. They haven't. And when he speaks this way, it is not a matter of God withholding grace from people. It is a matter of those who've committed themselves to Christ in a certain way where they are following him have opened their hearts in a way that they can hear and understand because they are, in fact, listening. Notice that no one in the crowd has a question. No one in the crowd who hears Jesus give the parable comes up to him and says, Lord, explain that to us. If they were really listening, they would want the explanation so that they could understand. This is the difference between a spirituality or a false spirituality which likes to feel spiritual without the investment that spirituality requires. It is that attitude of the heart where if my curiosity is satisfied, if I have an interesting experience, I must have done something religious. Note how shallow that is but how easy it is to fall into that trap, to keep everything on the safe surface. No, I was there, I listened to him. And we say things like this and we give ourselves credit as if we become the champions of the spiritual life. And the Lord is saying, no, you were there and you heard me, but you weren't listening. And so you heard, but you left without the gift I was trying to give you. So when the Lord speaks of them not being given to understand, he is speaking of the consequence of that not listening, of that not really investing the heart in paying the kind of attention to the Lord that is required to understand him. Because we like it easy, we like it simple, we like it when it doesn't cost us anything. But that's not how Jesus works. So in speaking this way, then he turns to his disciples, who then say to him, well, explain this to us. Explain this to us. And before he offers the explanation, he tells them something else. You need to value the gift of understanding that you've been given. Because for centuries, there have been those holy men and women who had a deep longing to really hear my voice, that they might listen to my word. But they didn't get that chance. And you have that chance right now. 
Across the centuries, there have been those hearts that longed just for a glimpse of the face of the Savior and to see him and what he would do. But they didn't get that chance. But they wanted it with everything about themselves. And you have that chance. Know when the Lord puts it that way? What he is saying about the greatness of the privilege of truly being able to meet him, listen to him, see him and know him, and how easily that can be taken for granted, as if it is the most ordinary thing in the world, as if it is something that can be set aside lightly for the sake of some other concern or some other matter. And now, having said that, how well do you appreciate the exceedingly great gift that you have in being able to look and actually see, in being able to hear and actually listen. Now then, let's speak about this parable. And curiously now, as the Lord gives the explanation, he doesn't simply make a narrow equation of the seed is the word of God. Rather, he says something different. He speaks of the seeds as being different kinds of people. And so imagine that. The sower goes out and he scatters his seed abroad in the world. But not merely is the Lord speaking about how his message arrives in different kinds of hearts. He's speaking about the different circumstances in which people find themselves. Not everyone here was born into this world under the same set of circumstances. Some of us in much more hardship than others. Some of us in more comfort than others. Some of us with more or less opportunity than others. Some of us into small families. Some of us into large families. Some of us in another part of the world and we found our way here. And keep that in mind then. All of these different ways that life can become rooted in the world. The sower has gone and he's scattered his seed. And now the Lord speaks now about the seed but think not of the word first. Think of your life. Think of your heart as being that seed scattered out into the world. And think of the circumstances in which your heart might even find itself right now. So now the Lord says, the seed that fell on the path is the person. Note that. And the seed on the pathway, what happens on a path? People walk all over it. The path is hard. It is well-traveled. It is not safe. It is exposed to the birds of the air who come and snatch that seed away. 
Think about how easy it is, how many lives are easily snatched away by things that seem to be out of their control, by circumstances that arise out of nowhere. All of those lives who find themselves in a place where, in a sense, they're trampled on a regular basis, where there's no chance to respond, no chance to be good, they can be snatched away, oh, so easily. And how easily that could be our heart, depending on where we allow the winds of life to carry us and deposit us. And then the Lord speaks about a second kind of heart, the heart that's on the stony ground. And he says that heart, in a place where it is not rootless but shallow because there is no possibility of depth. The soil only goes down a little bit and then there's the rock. And note again, that life, that heart, there are some of those who are planted in rocky soil. And the word of grace comes. The possibility of goodness comes to that one. And that one, upon seeing the moment of grace and blessing, actually opens up and says, yes, yes, let me receive that. And begins to embrace it with real enthusiasm, only to find that it doesn't last. Because there's no depth in that life. There's no possibility for that life to root itself anywhere. And so when stress or difficulty come, it doesn't last. It walks away. It is easily uprooted. Think about how easy it is, my friends, for a good day to turn into a horrible day for you. Think of how easy it can be. Think of even those experiences of trying to grow in the faith, and you've heard that homily, you've had that experience, you've made that retreat. You know, and we go home, and with great joy and new energy, we begin to strive and practice our faith, and then we get tired, or the feeling runs out. And very quickly, we find ourselves laying aside that discipline that we embraced. How easy it is when we try to change for the better, and that family member who knows how to push our buttons says to us, who are you to think you can be any better? And that guilt and that self-doubt grab us. And rather than rooting ourselves in the goodness, we allow these things to yank us out of that. And then the Lord says, there's another kind of heart. And that heart, that life, that person, falls among thorns. And so, again, this person who is basically good begins to grow, experiences grace and wants to respond and stretch out its arms to the sunlight. But what happens as it grows up, there are these things that surround it 
that choke off its possibility of growth. And Jesus is very particular here. Worldly concerns and anxieties, all of those things that keep us awake at night. The desire for wealth and riches and material pleasure. And the Lord says when we surround ourselves with those things, on the one hand, we are in the middle of a certain abundance, but it is the wildly dangerous abundance of thorns that choke off growth. And don't let real growth happen. And then the Lord says, and then there are those other hearts, those other people, those other lives who find themselves in good, fertile, rich soil. And these lives can put down real and deep roots. And these lives can grow out into the sunlight of grace without anything choking off their progress. And there's a permanence about them and an abundance about them. And then note what the Lord says, and it is these lives that will be fruitful, abundantly fruitful. 30, 60, or 100-fold fruitful. It is these lives that will receive and bear the fruit of goodness with an abundance beyond what seems normal. So the question is, which kind of life would I want to be? Do I want to be the one on the path? Do I want to be the one on the rocky, shallow soil? Do I want to be the one choked off by the thorns of worldly concern? Or do I want to be that one whose life can be truly fruitful? Which raises the question, where have I allowed myself to be planted? It's an important question. If I just honestly looked at my life and just asked the question of what kind of soil have I allowed myself to be planted in? What would my answer be? Have I been indifferent? Have I planted myself in my regrets? Have I planted myself in all of the things I think I need to do? Have I planted myself in a certain distracted shallowness where I don't even know what to do if I had five minutes quiet time? Have I planted myself in the middle of bad example, in the middle of those who cut me down and drag me away from what is right? Where have I planted myself? Because, and this is important, while Jesus speaks of us in the parable as being like seeds that are scattered, the simple fact of the matter is there's a big difference between you and a seed that's been planted. Because a seed that's been planted has no power on its own to pick itself up and find a better spot. But you do, and I do. And so note, if I find that I'm on the rocky ground and I'm rootless and shallow, there's the possibility of getting up and saying, 
Let me find better soil to plant myself in. If I happen to recognize that, man, for most of my life, I've been the one on the path, well then, maybe it's time to get off that path and find a better spot. If I'm the one who finds that his or her attempt to grow spiritually and toward goodness is regularly stopped short by things that keep cutting me down, well, then maybe it's time to say I don't need to live where the thorns are and to find another soil for myself. So when the Lord speaks that way, he's also saying, if you're going to be on the path, don't ever expect to listen. Don't ever expect to understand because you're not even allowing yourself the chance to do so. If you're going to live in a way that condemns you to shallowness, don't ever expect any great depth about yourself. If you're living in a way where you're surrounded by an abundance of all those things that cut you short, don't ever expect to be particularly fruitful. And note, except for the seed on the path, the other two kinds of plant can survive, they can live, but the living is not fruitful. To be truly fruitful, one needs the right soil. Note how marvelous that is. The invitation that the Lord places before us. And when he speaks that way, note then the importance of truly settling ourselves into the church, of truly participating and investing ourselves in the life of the body of Christ. He's given us this great garden of the sacraments and of his word where we can come together and grow together toward that divine sunlight which he has promised us. And why? So that our lives will be fruitful, not simply in heaven, but even here on this earth while we live them. And the Lord is even better than his word on a lot of levels. Because look at how he comes into the world. For centuries he prepares the soil. Abraham is called to uproot himself and go to a new land. Israel is settled in a new land as if a plant transplanted into a new garden and new soil the soil of the covenant, the soil of the prophets, the soil of the promise of the Savior. Until as time became full, the richest soil of all, and her name is Mary, is born. The Immaculate Virgin, that pure and listening and attentive heart, which receives the word himself. That word who goes forth from the mouth of God, as we heard in the first reading, to accomplish the reason for his sending. And note how Jesus plants himself in this world by planting himself first in Mary. And how? Through her listening. Through her listening. 
Before the word is made flesh, what does she say? Behold the handmaid of the Lord, let it be done unto me according to your word. And she is that rich soil where the word is received and planted, that rich soil where the heart of Jesus Christ plants himself. And moving forth from that rich soil, he goes out into the world to bear more than a hundredfold fruit. He goes forth to bear the fruit of salvation for all of us, every single one of us. And how wonderful it is that we can remember that here in this place dedicated to Our Lady. Because as the saints have long taught, if we truly would root ourselves in the rich soil of faith, there is no better way than the way that Jesus has already showed us. And her name is Mary. And this is why turning to her with a certain confidence, surrendering ourselves into her care, regularly asking her help and learning from her example, have long been recognized as the keys to a fully alive Christianity, a truly fruitful spiritual life. And in just a few minutes here in this place, amazingly, and wonderfully, something additional is going to happen. The same Lord Jesus Christ who spoke to that many people on the seashore that day, and who has spoken to us here in the scriptures and through the liturgy, will be on this altar. And he will come down from that altar in the form of a small piece of bread the little round disc of the consecrated host, how very much like a seed it looks. And he will call us to himself. And we'll come forward and we'll stretch out our hands or we'll open our mouths. And that same Lord who sowed himself into the heart and the womb of the Virgin Mary will sow himself into your life. What is the soil of my heart like? Is it ready to receive him? And can I do the work to make that soil better and more worthy of him? But even as that happens and the Lord sows himself into your life that he might bear fruit in you, and note the implication, the more ready my heart is to receive him, the more fruit his presence will bear in my life, not just for me, but for the world. But the other thing is this. When we come to Mass before that happens, our gathering here says, Lord, sow me in the rich soil of your goodness. Plant me and root me in the rich and life-giving soil of your heart. It is we who have been planted in Christ by gathering in his church and as his people, who can come forward to receive him in this way. Note how wondrous that is. This double sowing, this double surrendering, and all through it all is that call to a life that is indeed truly, even gloriously fruitful. Amen.